This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, August 20th, 2018, episode 52. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and it joins me again from the Houston Outpost. And we just saw preseason game number two, where Green Bay overcame the Steelers 51-34. to That is a scary score. I know it's, it's preseason, but it's, not, it's, big, it's like a basketball score. So... We are going to go over the offensive themes, defensive themes, and special teams themes. Get it? Ah, nice. Special teams themes. Oh, and you didn't even know it. I'll tell you, I did not watch the game. Again, it's preseason. It's hard to fit that into the schedule. But we do have NFL Game Pass. I was able to watch it in excruciating detail. And I came away with more positives than negatives. Well, I will clarify for the listeners, you didn't – watch it live and i didn't watch it live i watched the first few drives live but we have watched the game since and obviously broken it down in detail i guess you'll handle most of the defensive stuff and i'll handle some of the offensive stuff but like we said before like we said last week in these games we're not exactly looking at the final score i do think when a team scores 51 big ones on you that is concerning that does show you something although they didn't score all 51 of those points on our defense they got 14 of them from our offense but you're more looking at the play of individual players. You want to see if guys, you know, second-year guys like Juju, are you kind of picking up where you left off? Are you dominating if you're playing against lower competition? Check. Um, We want to see Terrell Edmonds, our first-round pick. How are you going to look in game action? You want to see James Washington. We expect you to be a player, a major player, a starter, and we got to see you come through for us in preseason. Uh, Maybe guys coming back from injury, this or that. All I'm trying to say is you look more at individual players than final scores and stuff in this. So I'm with you. I I took some some real positive things away uh, amid the negative, but there's a bunch of positive stuff to look at. All right. Well, we're not going to do grades, but we're going to go through position groups. And let's let's start with the quarterback. You're in charge of offense tonight. That sounds good. I don't, and I don't think we even necessarily have to go in depth with all of these. But, of course, the story of the game is that uh, Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, was afforded the start. and started in, in one way you could say great because he got the nerves out. And in, in a more traditional sense, you could say terribly because he threw the ball directly to the other team for a pick six on his first throw as a starter in the preseason. One for one. Uh, that, that was disgusting. Uh, you could tell he was starting with some nerves. And honestly, Mason didn't have a very good day. That pick was very bad. He clearly chose where he was going to go with the ball before he even got out there. Like they were calling some short routes for him. 
It was a five yard hitch to the left side. He clearly didn't read the defense at all because that corner was just sitting on it and he threw right to him. And you could see that the nerves got the best of him on this day. Um, what I did like about him is he still he still battled. He still chucked the ball deep. He didn't try to check everything down. He was trying to score. He tried to pick up first downs on third and long. He just wasn't very successful in doing that. And he was pretty inaccurate, short and deep. And he just held the ball way too long. So honestly, when like I look at you're kind of you're kind what? of judgmental. I'm just, I'm just judging what we saw on the field. And there wasn't a ton of positive, although besides the fact that he did battle back. And I like the fact, like I said, that he still tries to push the ball downfield. And there was some okay pocket movement, but he was holding the ball too long. He did come back from that interception and, uh, and have a little drive downfield where he made a very nice touchdown pass to Juju. Uh, that, that's kind of a pass that you wouldn't see a Josh Dobbs make. Even a Landry Jones doesn't make that on a daily basis. So there's some positive stuff there. I think a lot of this comes back to nerves and just game feel, you know, holding it too long as a guy who didn't traditionally do that in college and stuff like that. So it was, it was rough. You can't say he did a lot of good, but I I don't really hold it against him. Second game. Well, Don't forget. He's still, he's still ridiculously good looking and a prototypical Eh. quarterback. He did great commercials. We'll see. Second half, Josh Dobbs. It does his best Mason Rudolph imitation. I don't know if I've ever seen this. The second quarterback comes in and throws almost the identical pick six. And it was the same kind of thing. This was like a 10-yard out or a 10-yard ten yard hitch. It wasn't quite a curl because a curl would insinuate the guy was coming to the middle of the field. This is another thing where it sort of seems like he predetermined where he was going to throw before the ball was snapped. And he threw it right to the defense and they pick sixed it. So it's... It's almost funny. I mean, obviously, we're in the regular season. We'd have some sort of like there would be a health scare there. Yeah, but it was almost funny watching this happen. I'm going to make a so so Josh Dobbs. We thought I mean, he was horrific last year's preseason. I felt bad for the guy. Honestly, he was out of place. We kind of expected a bigger step up for him. Once again, I thought that he would be the odd man out for the quarterbacks here, but you've expected to see some bigger growth than we have. And he kind of picked up this game where he did last game. And he's just, he's not an NFL quarterback. I feel bad for the guy. Maybe he could develop because Landry Jones was pretty horrific his first couple of years and he got better and better. But I'm going to make a comparison here. There, it sounds kind of wild, but it's it's similar. Josh Dobbs, he's not really a natural player. He's not like a natural-looking athlete. He's got a kind of a goofy throwing motion. His pocket presence, he doesn't have a good timing for that. He kind of bails pretty quickly. And even when he's running, he kind of has a herky-jerky running style, even though he's pretty fast. He reminds me a lot of like Blake Bortles. He's got a lot of similar qualities where it's like, These guys were good athletes their whole life. They're big guys. They can run well enough to get out of trouble. They're not, you know, getting confused for Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton or anything. But they can run enough to get out of trouble and they could succeed in college. They've got sort of prototypical bodies. But they're just not natural quarterbacks. And it just brings me to the point that I'm so glad that Jacksonville kept this Blake Bortles because I think that even if they had a Landry Jones, they'd have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl with a loaded roster like that. But anyways, well, Dobbs, he's going to be gone in a few weeks. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if anybody picks him up from the practice squad. I'll be curious too. So talking about offensive line protection, I mean the, the uh, Packers did 
hit us for three sacks and five quarterback hits. So what what do you think about protection? I mean, it didn't look like it was all it was good. Yeah, I think it was good. I think that some of those hits were because they were holding the ball too long, the quarterbacks. Uh, I think the biggest thing for the line is that Fletcher Cox wasn't playing this game because Fletcher Cox is David DeCastro's personal boogeyman. He David DeCastro is an all-pro guard, one of the best two or three best guards in the league. But Fletcher Cox is one of the two or three best D tackles. And for some reason, he's just got his number and he ran all over DeCastro last week. So I'm sure they were happy not to see Fletcher Cox, but I thought that they were solid. So let's talk about the shining star that is not a wide receiver in the backfield. The Pittsburgh here, and please don't worry about any anything in the background. Nobody's taping up a coffin or a body or anything like that. That's my girlfriend unpacking. We're actually in the middle of a move. I'm in a new studio, you guys. The natural light is pristine and um, just have a little bit more space to analyze. The sound quality well. is coming through. Yeah, the baffling took uh, about two or three days to install in here, but it worked at the end of the day. But back to the star who's not a wide receiver, James Conner is looking like a starting NFL running back. I think he's assuaging some of our fears about Le'Veon's departure because this guy is looking like he can do it all. It's interesting. I mean, he's picked up where he left off last year where these are the players that I – that I peg as really good guys where you see something about them, their rookie year where they flash an ability where we knew the sample size was small for James Conner, but he could run the ball last year. He struggled adjusting to the passing game, which is usually the toughest thing for a running back to adjust to. But he did uh, the similar thing that Le'Veon did when from the freshman year to the sophomore year, he dropped a bunch of weight. He looks noticeably different. He's way faster. He is running very well. One of the best running backs I've seen running in the preseason. And where at like whereas Lev has that patience in the same way that Levion has that patience is how James Conner has the urgency. There's no patience. There's just a speeding bullet train to hell. And he looks awesome. He's gonna get the ball a little bit this year, I think. He's earning it. He does. He he's continue his nine yards per carry average. He's actually had eleven point four yards. He had a long of twenty six, which I obviously helped that out. But that um, gorgeous. that lack of patience means he's got a 3.2-year career ahead of him. But anyway, it's really confident building to know he's in the backfield behind Le'Veon. Well, he doesn't – I don't even know if I would say he has a 3.2-year career because he shoots through there and people don't even touch him. I mean he's not afraid to run over a guy, but he does a good job just kind of shooting through the hole before people can get him. And I think he had multiple 20-yard 20, 20 runs, and he's had a bunch of them in, uh, in practice. And he really is uh, – the weird heavy lightning to Le'Veon's thunder. It, that's a good change of pace. I think you're going to see him get the ball a little bit, and I think that's going to help Le'Veon getting some carries off him and we can feel comfortable having Connor back there. So let's break down the other two running backs we saw. Fitz Toussaint Fitt is going to make this Saul. team. Yeah, he you just think? he won't go in it. He's going to make this team. He is so solid. He contributes on special teams. I haven't seen a type of progression in a player like this where what's he in is like third or fourth year. Well, he's noticeably faster where I said with James Conner and Le'Veon, they made that switch from year one to year two. It seems like Fitz has made this. Is his fifth season? It says fifth year. Well, he knew he was a man on his last of his nine lives this year. So he looks faster. He looks uh, pretty good running the ball. I'd say 
uh, probably the third best runner right now. I think the Riddler actually was doing pretty well, but he's running the ball really well right now. He is great pass protector. He might be the best behind Le'Veon at, at pass protecting. Sometimes you just – these little guys with the leverage, they really know how to do it. He uh, recognizes that well. We've seen his ability to catch the ball. He did it well in the playoffs before the famous fumble. And uh, he's – the only thing about him is he's not like super decisive. He's turned into more of a jitterbug than he was before. Uh, which is kind of cool to watch, but um, he doesn't just kind of automatically pick up the three yards every time like the Riddler does, you know, a wily vet like that. And he's, he seems like explosive when he takes off, but he doesn't really break arm tackles, which James Conner and uh, even Jalen Samuels did a little bit of that. And uh, So where, where is the Riddler? Where was Riddler's he? been hurt. Is he hurt? Yeah, he's been he's been hurt uh-huh. for like a little over a week. So that kind of hurts him because Fitz is uh, seems to be benefiting off of that. He's making his case. And Samuels? Yes. Uh Samuels, Samuels. I, have, I, I I didn't I didn't like that draft pick when they made it, and it's kind of confirming it to me now. I mean, he's the last of the running backs I would want. I, I like the Riddler, I like the Fumbler, I like obviously we like James Conner and Lev. Uh, but Samuels did play better this week. Last week, I just saw the player that I kind of predicted was going to happen. Like, okay, a running back who can catch who isn't that fast or isn't that strong or doesn't have a lot of shake. I don't see the benefit of that in the NFL. But he did a better job of breaking arm tackles. He broke a few tackles and made some nice plays, um, which I can say is more than than Fitz. But he just he's not quite as well rounded as as Fitz is at this point. But so I don't know what they're going to do with him. He wasn't bad. Agreed. He's kind of a, he's an enigma. So let's move on to the bright and shining star that is the Steelers' core, the receivers. And we are specifically talking about James Washington. I'm surprised we waited this long. We probably should have opened with this when we were talking about more positives than negatives. Deferred is it possible? Is it possible that James Washington is already better than 2017 Martavis Bryant? Because if he played like he did last night, then uh, I think the answer is yes. It's a, it's a factory. Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith-Schuster, and it looks like Washington has all the makings of the next stud. Five catches for 114, two touchdowns, and a long of 54 where Josh Dobbs horribly underthrew him. I mean, every time Josh Dobbs threw to James Washington, it was an underthrow. He, he had that 54-yard uh, catch where he was 10 yards in front of the nearest defender. If you just put that out there, that's a 70-yard touchdown, and he would have had a hat trick. I mean, that's a huge performance, and it looks like this guy's going to be a day-one starter like we predicted he is. And he's, man, he's just better high-pointing the ball than any Steelers receiver I've seen besides A.B., on on a consistent basis at least. I know that's hyperbolic, small sample size, but I've never seen anyone have consistency like this in at least a short time. Well, speaking of mispronouncing words, DeMullen Patterson had three three receptions for thirty five yards, along of twenty nine. Um, still looking solid. What's his what's his what's the yeah. prognosis for him? I think that I mean, obviously Washington stole the show, and and he had I think Patterson. He didn't have like a big game by any means, but he still kept himself in the conversation. That was a nice, easy little back shoulder catch he had on that twenty nine yarder. So he was a little quiet. But he still made plays, even on a quiet day, and that's encouraging to me. Because I don't know, man. I would like if he can play well on special teams, which I haven't seen a ton of him doing. Then I'd even put him as the number four right now. 
He seems like a guy who can run routes and catch the ball. So like we said last week, we're going to still need to see him make these catches and stay consistent throughout the preseason. I think he, you know, he didn't wow, but he did stay consistent in this game too. And I like where he's going. Interesting. So watch out for Damon Patterson. Damon Patterson, Justin Hunter, one for two, targeted twice, one reception for 19 yards. Is he fading? He is what he is. I mean, I think we were all annoyed when we saw him getting as many reps as he did at the beginning of camp. This guy dominates on one-on-one drills. But the second he gets into the game, he can't do anything. And that's not and that's not even to say when they're putting real game uniforms on. Like, if you were paying attention during training camp, he doesn't even make a lot of catches in the 11-on-11 team sessions. So super talented guy, just can't put it together on a full field. And I really do not want to see him playing a lot for the Steelers. No offense to him. I like someone like Patterson who can make some, who seems to be more consistent getting open. And where do you think Pharaoh McKeever falls in the scheme of things? I don't think he'll be on the team. I think Good you have to keep though. a guy with the name of Pharaoh's make practice squad. All right, so we're going to move on to the defense. And I, I've been trying to think for the last 24 hours of my analogy. And all I can think of is the Bermuda Triangle or the, or the ah. donut hole. Because... Steelers, surprisingly, I was not as disappointed with the defense once I watched play-by-play as I was when I saw the score initially. It's kind of crazy because um, we were strong. We were strong against the run, and I'll go into that in a minute. But most interestingly, what I got a chance to do is to read or hear the listing of the names for the Green Bay receivers. And let me just run these names by you. Jake Kumaro. Okay, not that unusual, but we've got... Mercedes, M-A-R-C-E-D-E-S, yeah. Lewis, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And if you see Marquez Valdez-Scantling written down 22 times in your play-by-play feed, it's a little disconcerting. And Equanimous St. <laughs> <Saint> Brown. St. <Saint> Brown. <laughs> wow. They got the all-name receiver team. Equanimous. Equanimous. I think it is. Equanimous. Three times fast. And a drop. Anyway, and a drop. So I broke down the defense Uh, against the run game. Very solid. We allowed 77 yards, 2.7 yards rushing. And that would have been down to 2.4 had we not let Huntley in for a touchdown. So in the second quarter, uh, beginning of the second quarter, Huntley had a touchdown. Good pressure. And Huntley just gets out of trouble. He's, he's He's a squirmy guy. And he rolls to his left. Where Bud was supposed to be, but Bud had cleared out of that zone to pick up Jamal Williams. Nobody was in the flat, and Huntley rushed for a touchdown. So, good on him. I want somebody to explain how you pronounce the running back's name, Bogunyan. What, what are they doing? Is this the United Nations over there? They're drafting they French for the people. Foreign, foreign fanship? So... <laughs> What I notice on the reason I pick out this one play, uh, Bunyan runs for 18 yards at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Here's what I noticed, and this is the big complaint about tackling. Malik Golden had him wrapped up, but he wrapped him up around the neck or in the shoulder. So Bunyan slips out. Nate Barrera takes a lunge. He misses. <laughs> Cam Sutton takes his chin. He's Cam bad. Sutton jumps onto his back and has to be ridden for five yards before he gets help from, of all people, Casey Sales to finally bring him down. So... Uh, that was an embarrassing lack of tackling capability. Finally, I'll, I'm going to move up from the end of the game to the beginning when actual uh, Rodgers got loose on a quarterback scramble early in the first quarter. There was good pressure on him, well, but there were only three guys rushing. And somehow Rodgers escaped. 
But the good news I take from that is that he was not able to find somebody downfield, so I, I took that to be good coverage. We don't have the all-22 yet, but um, I'll just surmise that because it's in the Steelers' favor. From the pass game, again, it's the Bermuda Triangle. If you want to move downfield, you just take your slot receiver or tight end, run him in a cross pattern against the wide, the wide out, go across the field and just catch it somewhere right in the right at 90 degrees from the quarterback, and you will get 10 to 15 yards each play. Well, that's no surprise because what's the huge weakness of this defense? The inside linebackers and the safeties. And the, the concerning one was on, on the first play of the game, I think, was that the incompletion? One of the first few where Aaron scrambled around and we forced an incompletion, and I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, and we've made him throw an incompletion. As better than we did in that Super Bowl. So I was already feeling pretty good about that. And then uh, the, the pass he had right over the middle to Devontae Adams where he ran. Do you want to? Uh, yeah, that's Mike try- Tomlin. We're, we're, we're pulling him in for an interview. Hold on a second. Okay, he just hung up. He always calls he only when we record. He doesn't stay on the phone if you don't answer within two rings. You wouldn't we'll think that time. he would care about what we're saying, but he does. He wears his emotions on his sleeve when he's off camera. But that pass to Devontae Adams over into the Bermuda Triangle of the Steelers defense, the big long one, I don't know, it was 30, 40 yards. It was just a catch and run. That, to me, was a bit annoying because, okay, if you make the catch, that's fine. It's Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Very good receiver and the, the GOAT at quarterback right there. And the part that bothers me is Morgan Burnett missing the tackle. He took some bad angles, and I thought he had a better game. Than he did last week. He made some nice tackles near the line of scrimmage, but he's taken some pretty bad angles in this preseason, and he's an old slow guy, so all he has is geometry at his side. And him missing that tackle to me is is concerning, and and you see it over and over again, like you said with the with the spider monkeys of the Galapagos jumping all over the Frenchmen of the Packers and unsuccessful in, in bringing them down. That's the part that really bugged me is that missed tackle there, and then. It's indicative of what the Steelers were last year. You know, you can say, oh, the Packers just had a a big play here or there. And other than that, the Steelers defense was fine. Well, that's basically what they were like last year when they were giving up two 50-yard touchdowns per game. And and to me, I mean, that's just as bad because it's not like they're giving up a 50-yard touchdown every once in a while where you can say, yeah, that happens. It's consistently a problem, and it was a problem last night. All right. Well, let me look at some positives. We had three sacks for 18 yards. The first sack was by your guy, Morgan Burnett. He had a really nice, uh, he really tracked Huntley really well and had an open field tackle for no game. In the middle of the second quarter, Bud Dupree beat Kyle Murphy around the right side for a nine-year loss, nine-yard loss. And what I found fascinating was the announcer who said, I'm quoting, there are very few in the league as good as Dupree at rushing. He's a pro bowler. So people, be discerning about your announcers. Don't believe everything you hear. And the third uh, sack was at the end of the third quarter when L.J. Fort stunted and barreled through the middle to drop Boyle for a nine-yard loss. It was beautiful. So at the end, the Packers were 19 for 32 for 280 yards and three touchdowns. Again, it's the lapses. It's not the consistent play. One thing that was interesting and very disconcerting, and this is where I watched the game for a while, was Deshaun Kaiser. He averaged 12 yards a pass and had two touchdowns. But can I tell you, I went back last year to the uh, last time we played the Browns, He was actually 16 for 30 with 314 yards and two touchdowns. He had 60 yards rushing. So it's never like the Steelers are absolutely effective against Kaiser. 
<laughs> the my worst quarterback in the, the league outside of Bortles. <laughs> I think that the um, the the guy who did not do himself a service in this game was Cody Sensenbach. Uh, yeah. Out of the gate, Rodgers to Devontae Adams, Evan, uh, Adams. He immediately gets in front of uh, Cody, gets yeah. uh, five yards from the line of scrimmage. As you said, Jukes Morgan Burnett, and finally is brought down by Artie Burns 27 yards later. Huntley had a pass to Mercedes Lewis where Vince Williams picked him up initially, then passed him on to the secondary. LJ Fort rotated out to pick up the wideout, and I think Cody was just rotating towards the middle of the field. And uh, Lewis was wide open for a 23 yards before Cody and Morgan brought him down. Unfortunately, Cody was flagged for that um, inauspicious oh, lowering of the head. That, that He did lower his head, but I think he hit him with the shoulder. This, is, this call is going to be really kind of interesting to follow, to follow this year. Yeah, you can watch the gif of that. That's as clear as day. So I, will, uh, I have a lot of notes on this, but let me, let me wrap it up. I looked at all of the plays so let's attribute two of the touchdowns, obviously, to uh, offensive foibles. The right. the play from Jimmy uh, Aaron Rodgers to Jimmy Graham was an eight-yard pass. It had 40 yards to go. Aaron Rodgers could have done that in his sleep. Then uh, Hundley had a 10-yard run on that one. I don't like that one. I'm going to be honest with you. That was an impressive play by him, but, like, he was surrounded, man. I mean, it just shows the – I don't know. You would think it's a lack of athleticism that doesn't let you capture a quarterback like that, but we should have a pretty athletic defense, at least on the edges. That one was unfortunate, but that was pretty bad. He had 10 yards wide open, right? Yeah. The Kumaro 82-yard pass was a disaster for sure. I think that was Brian Allen. I've watched this play a hundred times. It was Brian Allen. It was Brian Allen who sold out. But that, yeah, he did. That and, was and embarrassing. Nat Bray, the missile, number 31, the slowest player in the defense, pretty much solidified. If Cody Sensabaugh is the big loser, he's the other biggest loser. I don't think they can put him at free safety at any point. And I think he lost no. that job. And judging by the practice this week, Malik Golden and Dangerfield have been playing more backup free safety. Uh, the missile, Nat Bray, it was, a, it was a great career, free safety, two preseason games. It's come to a close now. He is strictly a special teams guy because, I mean, that was brutal, especially on that play. So why don't we move on to special teams? Yeah, I don't want to spend too too long on it, but it is interesting that we have punter issues. I mean, Jordan Berry, is, is, he drives me crazy. <laughs> Two years ago, he was one of the best punters in the year, uh, in the whole league. Actually, let's start three years ago. Three years ago, he had an injury. He was terrible. Then, two years ago, he became one of the best punters in the whole league. Had like a 74-yard punt, did all kinds of great stuff. Last year, kind of split the difference between those two. He was about average. And then this year, I mean, obviously the first punt of the game, he punts from our own end zone, gives the ball to Aaron Rodgers on our 40-yard line, and then hits some boomers. So he's been really uh, inconsistent. Uh, Marcus Tucker, number 16, he was the guy, the receiver, that we were pegging to take the Eli Rodgers role. And for all I know, the Steelers coaches may still have him there. But And I know Damon Patterson's actually an outside guy. But I, I don't know. I think Damon Patterson has beaten this guy out in terms of Tucker doesn't make a lot of – a production on offense and then he got got as a gunner on uh, the long Packers punt return in the third quarter after having a nice special teams game the first time I guess he's one guy that you would look at uh, I guess we can look at look forward to our depressing future as the fumbler Fitzgerald Toussaint as the league's slowest kick returner once again with Tomlin's inability to find someone to put back there 
It's just so bad watching him return kicks. But uh, that, that's basically all we really need to go over for the special well, teams. Well, I do, I do want to – and um, my own perspective about Jordan Berry, yes, his first punt was abysmal, 30 yards from the end zone, setting the Packers up at the Steelers 40. He was actually – Six, and six punts, he averaged 44 and a half yards. And that's not a good barometer, obviously, depending on where you are on the field. But after that, he had a punt of 50 yards, 60 yards, and 55 yards. His last punt went for 30 yards, but it got to the Green Bay 14. So I don't think that inauspicious. However, his second quarter punt for 50 yards uh, was, was answered by an 18-yard return with missed tackles by the following. Chickalo, Allen, uh, Hayward Bay, uh, finally brought down by Edmonds. Okay. So the uh, so Tomlin. Is, I, I think. Jeez. This I guy. gotta grab it. No, grab it. No. Two rings, or he hangs up. It's actually your grandfather from Paraguay. Really? <laughs> he doesn't know anything about special teams. <laughs> he just knows about soccer. I don't even know anyway, if he knows so about that. I'll have a little. I'll have a little more patience with uh, Jordan Barry. I don't think it was as bad as it looked. But you have a. Uh, what are we going to do about kickoff returns? Uh, <laughs> Henderson had one one return for. He's not making yards. the team. He's buried. I feel bad. Think? Devery or not Devery Henderson. That's the old receiver for the for the Saints. Yeah, Henderson. Damn, I really wanted him to make the team at the beginning of the year because it looks like there's going to be more kick returns this year with the new kickoff rules. Yeah, and they're so, all kicking it short. This guy is a really good kick and punt returner, and that's what he does. So I both feel comfortable with him back there fielding the punts. I know you know. We've had difficulty that when when AB is not back there, either the guy's too slow or he fumbles every once in a while. So Henderson would have been solid with that, and he's just a good returner. But he's just he provides zero value as a receiver or tackling people on special teams. So he's not going to make it. I feel like he needs to stop calling for fair catches on punts. Uh, just dude, just take a shot. Like even if you fumble. You're not going to make this team anyways, but if you return one for a touchdown, maybe they'll think twice. But it's not going to happen. I think that ship has sailed. I guess uh, I actually got a roll here in a second, but I just wanted to bring up one more thing before we go. I wanted to talk about our first-round pick, Terrell Edmonds, who on the outside it sort of looks like he had a bad game. He got two touchdown passes caught over him, and he missed a tackle or two. But he did make a lot of nice tackles, and I will say I agree with you on the Jimmy Graham touchdown. It's like – you had, you know, the football equivalent of Jesus scrambling around in the court, in the pocket with Aaron Rodgers. There's not a lot you can do about that. And then he throws it like 20 feet in the air to Jimmy Graham. You got Aaron Rodgers to Jimmy Graham, two of the best red zone players of the past decade, and it's your second game. And, yeah, they got you. I'm not going to judge him totally for that. Um, and then I can't remember the name of the tight end who caught the other one. But that was a nice throw and catch too. Would I like to see him do better? Yes, but I did see some, you know, some athleticism, and uh, hopefully he keeps improving. But uh, I don't think he played terrible or anything like that. He played okay, but it doesn't sound like he's tearing it up like he was in training camp. The word from training camp is he was making a case to maybe even be a starter. He's definitely not that, but we got to keep an eye on his progression. So we have a game next Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern against the Tennessee Titans. So we'll be covering that and we'll either get our podcast out next Sunday or Monday night, depending on schedules. Other than that, uh, we appreciate you listening to the show. Of course, we do this podcast each week, even in the off season, as we prove we've gotten to episode 52 and we are going to 100. That's right. So if you haven't subscribed and you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell somebody else. 
today. So we're striving to make the show as informative as possible. Please give us some feedback. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the web- website at SteelersOutpost.com. I'll learn to read these notes better next time. And shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thank you for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts.